Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Broadcasting from the Leadership Academy Studios, aka my new basement. Welcome to the Driven Entrepreneur. You know, this is the go-to plan for coaches, authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds to start, grow, and profit a business that you love. Hey, I'm your host, Matt Browning, and with me today is another co-author from our new book, Driven to Courage. And I really wanted to introduce you uh, to this guest. Uh, he's an incredible, incredible person, very, very inspiring. And to me, you know, has a story that, well, quite frankly, is going to get you up off the couch as you listen to it. Today's guest is seven-time Ironman triathlete, performance expert, and business coach, Richard Green. Now, he teaches his Iron Mind Code sales training success formula. He's been featured on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. His client list is long and includes Microsoft, Whole Foods, Target, J.P. Morgan Chase, CVS, Coors, the Mayo Clinic, Coca-Cola, and it keeps going. He has been there, done that for over three decades working in the sales industry. And along the way, he's also become a seven-time Iron Man. Welcome to the show, Rich. How are you, man? Hey, Matt. Great. Thanks uh, for having me on. Good to be in your basement. Good to be in my basement. Hey, I love that you're here with me. <laughs> you know, you're coming all the way from the other coast. Um, Richie, we just started right before we got on talking about uh, your most recent Ironman uh, endeavor. So you have, you got off the couch. We're going to talk about your story. And you've done the Ironman seven times. Yeah, right. Right. Well, I've I've actually competed eight times, and you competed eight times. So when did you? And you just did the World Championships. I did. That's incredible. And how long ago was that? That was uh, six weeks ago. Holy moly! You just got back from there, and are you walking? Are you? Are you <laughs> I'd be limping, man. I wouldn't. I'd be on the couch right now. Yeah, yeah. The recovery, the the the, the muscle recovery wasn't bad. The internal recovery took about a month. The internal recovery. like the, very the, tired. Yeah, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Hey, catch us up a little bit. If you, by the way, uh, guys, Rich has been on the show. You were on a couple years ago. And, you know, I first met you and we had John immediately. I thought, like, what a great story. Um, you have a really inspiring story because you, to me, are like the everyday person who did extraordinary stuff. Um, I see myself in you, at least in the lazy part that you used to be, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, you, your, your story, you, you know, you're, you're on the couch and you're deciding that you want to do something different. Can you catch us up a little bit and tell us about what happened when you decided to do your first Ironman? Yeah, well, it's, it, it actually wasn't, uh, didn't happen right away, but it did happen pretty quick. Once I made a decision and, um, like a lot of people, Matt, I had one of those wake-up calls, a health wake-up call. And, um, you know, I, for most of my professional career, I never moved a muscle my entire adult life. And I probably didn't, you know, take care of myself the way, I, well, I, not probably, I didn't take care of myself the way I should have. I ate too much. I drank too much. Um, you know, I, I did all of the wrong things. I didn't exercise. And then one day, I found myself in the doctor's office and I'd been in that 
you know, that waiting room for about an hour. When I went to the examination room, I'll tell you, I was not in great shape. Uh, I knew my blood pressure was high. Uh, I'd been dizzy a lot. I just had not been feeling, not sleeping, not been feeling well. Uh, I knew I was overweight, way overweight. Uh, I was obese, actually. I was obese. I'll admit it right now. Um, <laughs> it's tough. But I went to that doctor's office and I went in and, and, you know, it was, I could smell the antiseptic in it and it was cold. And I thought to myself, this is a place where people go to die. I know that's dramatic, but again, I wasn't feeling well. And so that's where the, it all started. And the nurse, she came in and she took my blood pressure and Matt, it was 209 over 107. Just Holy to put things moly. You know that, you know that that's high. 207. 207 over 109. Standard-ish, like 120 over 80. Yeah, Depending 120 on over 80. size and age, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. But wow. So, I mean, you weren't just a little high. You were massively off kilter. And you could feel it? Oh, yeah. I could feel it. I knew thing, I knew I was in bad shape. What did your doctor say? Well, the nurse said, the nurse left the room. And she came back with the doctor. And they both were came in together with this big machine that they were wheeling in. It was, you know, a EKG machine, a heart monitor. And I knew when I saw that machine that things weren't good because typically they just write you a prescription and send you on your way. And uh, that's not what they did that day. So my doctor, um, as he's looking at the, you know, I'm, I'm all hooked up. I got all these wires and these pads on my chest and I can see he's got a concerned look on his face. And I say, Doc, what is it? What is it? Never mind. I know I'm going to have a heart attack. And he looked at me and said, Mr. Green, you're not going to have a heart attack. But if you don't change your ways, you're probably going to have a stroke and you're probably going to die. And I tell you, I, I got dizzy all of a sudden. And you know, how old are you at this point? I was 51 years old. 51. And see like that. I don't. And look, unless you're 18, listen to this. I promise you 51 is not old. Um, <laughs> you're, you're at the halfway point, <laughs> maybe. No, exactly. You're like way too young to be getting that kind of news. So you make the choice and you start changing. And again, I, what, what I love about your change, it, it, you didn't just change your diet, start to exercise a bit. You went extreme. How long did it take you to go from doctor's office to I'm signing up for my first Ironman race? The Ironman, sign up for the first Ironman race, honestly, in the matter of, uh, it was a matter of about a month. Whoa. So it, it was you know, a, a month in, you're nowhere near ready, but you knew, is this a deal where you know you have to sign up so that you keep, your, you're committed and you, and you get your motivation? Or well, were you just in fantasy land thinking, yeah, why not? I'll do a race. I, I was totally in fantasy land. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, had, I really had no clue. I, I mean, I remember seeing the, uh, the Ironman races when uh, I was a kid on TV and I thought, yeah, you know, I could, I've done all kinds of things. I could do that. And, um, you know, the reality of, of it was that I signed up way, way in advance. It took me almost a year to train for it. And a pretty, ma a pretty, pretty massive transformation in, uh, in my physical health uh, that happened during that time period. Well, and, and that's actually what I want to spend a bit of time on. We haven't a lot on this show talked about um, like the, the physical habits and the, and the health and the transformation that it takes and also the mindset. You know, last time we talked a lot about 
um, sales. We talked about your sales training, which of course you're an unbelievable expert at. You got three decades experience with all the people we mentioned earlier in the open. Uh, so guys, go back and listen. We'll put the the link in the archives for our last show with Rich, and you can get all the sales training as well. I know you have some some gifts and some freebies and some cool stuff around that. I really wanted to, especially with your story, this Iron Man story made it into our new book, Driven to Courage. You have an entire chapter that you've uh, co-authored um, all about that iron mind. And I want to spend some time talking really about how to access that for the everyday person. So for most of us, um, we're not going to do an Iron Man when you know times get tough and I want to prove to myself and change everything. I might not do an Iron Man. Maybe I will. I don't know. I don't like swimming that much. What? Talk to me about some of what it took in your mindset to go from, you know, I'm the kind of guy who sits on the couch or drinks beer or over whatever it is to I'm the kind of guy who's an athlete. I'm the kind of guy who can do something like this. How long was that identity change and what was that like for you? Well, the identity change actually took years. You know, I had I had to believe it. I had to state it first before I could even make the attempt. And even after I finished my first Ironman, and I've completed, successfully completed seven of them, but even after I completed my first one, I still didn't see myself as an athlete. Because I, I was, as a kid, I was sort of awkward. I was nearsighted. And um, I just, I wasn't a great athlete as a kid. And, and that's what I saw myself as an adult. So there was a, not just a first transformation of physical success, but then the transformation of the mind also to be able to see myself, really see myself as who I, who I had become. Do you, do you see yourself as an athlete now? Because I, I get that when you said that, it's really interesting that it's like, it, it made me wonder how many Ironmans does it take? <laughs> Not to screw the <laughs> light bulb, but how many, you know, how many races does it take until you feel like I'm a racer, right? How many climbs does it take until I feel like I'm a rock climber? How many kids does it take to, until I feel like I'm a parent? I don't know, right? Like, what do you feel like that was for you? Or are you still kind of working that out because you're human? Like, what? how would you respond to, are you an athlete or do you see yourself that way? I do see myself as an athlete. I do see myself as somebody who's uh, completed sort of an extraordinary feat. Um, Good, because I think we all do too. <laughs> yeah, oh, thanks. Yeah. But to put things in perspective, 1% of the population has done a marathon. Now, wow. a marathon is part of the Ironman. So just to, just to can, kind can, of back can, up. Can, catch us up on what the race is. Yeah, whole, yeah The yeah. whole Ironman race, just to make sure we're all on the same page here. Guys, it's extraordinary. Yeah, so you, it's, it's a triathlon. So it's three sports. It's swimming, it's biking, and it's running. And you start off with a swim first, and that's a 2.4-mile swim, usually in, in open water in, a, in the ocean or in a lake or a river. So 2.4-mile swim. When you get done with that, then you, you put on uh, your bike shoes and your helmet, and you ride 112 miles on the bike. Which is beyond a century ride, which in and of itself is also a major feat that cyclists do. Fair? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then when you're done with that, you put on your running shoes, and you run a marathon. <laughs> so it, every time you say when you get done with that I, I in my head said then you go to the couch it's like i, I tell nope. you when you get when you get through with each of these you feel like you want to go to the couch and that's where the mind comes into play because you really have to keep coaching yourself that you, you've got to keep going that you've got yeah. to accomplish what you set set up to accomplish 
So what sorts of, what sorts of dialogue do you use in your own, like in the inner mind, you know, what do you say to yourself in the first race versus what kind of language do you use if it changes in maybe, you know, the more recent races, if that makes sense. Yeah. How do you coach yourself? Yeah, it's an evolution. I mean, I think the first race, I, I don't know how I got through it. I had 17 hours to complete the race. It was 108 degrees that day. And I completed it in 16 hours, 48 minutes and 32 seconds. Wow. So I just barely, you know, finished that race in time. So that was a little bit different, um, sort of a, a mental uh, coaching than it is today, because along the way, I developed a four-step process to help me through the tough times. And that's the four-step process that I actually teach people when they're uh, in facing tough situations outside of doing an Ironman. Um, right. to- and that's what we talk about with, you know, with the book in your chapter, uh, is right, right, right. the whole idea of when the unexpected happens, when you find yourself in a hard situation, which again, like, I don't know anyone who hasn't found themselves in a version of a hard situation over the last couple of years, if not, you know, for more than that, but you're a great example again, of a guy who you got yourself to the first race. I mean, like willpower, coaching yourself, just whatever it takes, you kind of, you got it. But along the way, it's like, okay, I need to find a way before I'm a quote unquote athlete to get the job done and to stick with it. So walk us through what those, that four-step process is, because I'm certainly intrigued. All right. So before I do that, <clears throat> I'll tell you this, the little secrets, kind of embarrassing, but I'll tell you the first, the secret that got me through that first race. Okay. I told everybody on Facebook that I was doing this. And I wasn't bragging. I just knew I had to put it out there. And so as, I, as I'm struggling through this first race and through all sorts of stuff that, that happened, I keep saying, I told everybody on Facebook I was doing this. I got to finish because I can't go back to Facebook and tell them I, I didn't do it. Oh, hundreds of people. How was the race? How did it go? Well, well. Well, actually, I have thousands of people following thousands me. Thousands so, of people. Yeah, so it would it would have been horrible. So that's that was the secret for the first one. And you know what? That's not a bad strategy. Um, you know, just use your. It's a little ego. Uh, just use your ego. Yeah. So what's uh, the principle behind there? It literally, it's like put your ego in front. Put your ego in front, and you know, use use that to drive yourself to to achieve the that which is really difficult. And actually, that was the thinking that went into the first step, the four-step process that, that I you know, referred to that I use now and that I teach now. And that first step is you've got to declare yourself a winner, even before you, do, you are, are winning. And whatever winning means to you, and I'm going to propose that winning isn't first, second, or third place, okay? There's lots of ways that you can win in life. So number one is just saying, I'm a winner and making that declaration. So what's another example? Because I, I, I'm with you on that, right? It's not just the gold medal or whatever. But you know, I know you talk about sometimes finishing is winning. You say, hey, winning could be finishing the race. Um, and in a relationship, it's different too, right? Maybe you know, winning is, you know, are we happy and healthy? Or winning is in business, it could be, do I have free time? Or are my clients happy? Or what's the revenue? Or fill in the blank. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about? That you know, declare that I'm a winner and then define what winning is? Yeah, actually, that you lead, that leads me exactly into into step two. Oh, perfect! That's exactly my yeah. intention, Rich. I mean, yeah, you, you absolutely <laughs> step two. Yeah, you absolutely have to declare yourself a, a winner, and you know, setting the goal that setting the the confines of what winning means is really important. So, for example, 
um, one of the races that I did, I, I had set the goal that I was going to finish the Ironman in 15 hours. That was my goal. That For me, that was winning. And right? this isn't the first one, but this is along the way. Yeah, this is along the way. Um, so I was going to finish in 15 hours. And then something happened. Something horrible happened. And uh, it, it was, you know, another hot day. I've done a lot of races during hot days. It was a hot day. And I was getting dehydrated. And I came to an aid station. And they, they ran out of water. They ran out of water. What? So uh, uh, there, and yeah, I know I'm at the aid station and there are, bot, there are people lying all over the ground, athletes that had just quit, that had given up. And I saw two trucks, two pickup trucks filled with bikes that were taking the bikes, the athletes' bikes back to the starting line because they, wow. they quit. So, you know, that, that's one of those situations where other people have, have given up. They didn't make it. And, and I'm faced with, almost with the same type of a, a choice. Do I, can I go on? Um, because physically I'm in bad shape and I, and I could be harming myself. And so when you, you do that, then you've got a, then your goal is out the window, right? Right. So, so when your goal aware, changes, yeah, right. What do you your do? goal is going to change. So, well, that, that brings up step number two. So step number two, when those things happen, you know, I say, don't give up, set a new goal. And so in that, in that instance, I set a new goal. My new goal was get back in the race and finish. Yeah. So and now it's not about, hours. I love the 15 hours, but now that's not responsible. Right. Not responsible. Not, you know, and, and from a time perspective, I was falling behind anyway. So I needed to not quit, but I needed to find something to keep myself going, to keep myself motivated. So crossing that finish line in under 17 hours is, was the new goal. I love that. And now how they ran out of water. Don't tell me you didn't have to drink your own pee, right? <laughs> how did you rehydrate <laughs> or did I, actually you? i hadn't thought about that until real. just now man. thanks a lot uh, <laughs> you could have been back in the race man 15 and a half <laughs> well this is one of those situations where i found uh sort of what at that particular time what my limits were what what would i do to get back in the race and finish and so they had no water they had no gatorade they had no electrolytes all of the things that you would expect an aid station at mile 81 of the race. So I had already finished 2.4 miles swim. I had already finished 81 miles of the bike ride. And here I was no water, no liquids, nothing to, to sustain me for the rest of the race. And Matt, I saw a kiddie pool, you know, the one of those, like one of those little blue pools that probably yeah. mom put you as a kid. And I went over to that pool and I looked in that, looked into that, that pool, the water, and I realized that's where all the water was, the Gatorade, earlier in the day. And it was probably, a, it was probably filled with ice. But now it just had, you know, hot water in it. And there were leaves from the, there were labels from the water bottle. There were leaves, there were grass, there were bugs and flies all in that water. And it was a dingy brown, like somebody had washed their feet off in it. And, I, you know, I thought about it. I think that's probably what happened because when you're hot, what do you want to do, right? You want to cool off. So I, I was just throwing my mouth a little bit. Um, yeah. And what happened? I bet you can probably guess. I, I, I bent down and I pushed aside the labels and the grass and the bugs. And I scooped that dingy brown water up and I drank it. And I just kept drinking it for about 10 minutes. Wow. Well enough. I mean, I, I filled my stomach. Um, and, and then I got back in the race. 
Oh, I filled I filled in. up my water bottles too. I had two water bottles on my bike, and I just stuck them in and filled them up. Well, a brown kiddie pool foot water, you're epic. And you finished the race. Yes, I did finish the race. I did finish the race. I got back in the race. So number, first of all, number two is, you know, first number one is you got to declare yourself winner. Number two is you got to set a new goal. Number three is you got to set a strategy. And so I had to get a new strategy. And I realized with the time I had left, and by the time I finished the bike and, and I got to do the marathon that I would have six hours left. Now, for the whole marathon. For the whole marathon. Now, it's a really long time. If you're a marathoner, you know that's a really long time. But after 10 hours of racing. That's um, right in there. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a runner. I keep saying that. I've finished seven marathons, you know, but I'm not a runner. Um, for me, it's just survival. I, I've, I've like perfected this, this running style called the 26-mile shuffle limp. <laughs> <laughs> the 26-mile shuffle limp. I like it. Uh, so, uh, so you come up with a new strategy. Yeah. And my strategy was I did some, did some mental math and I figured if I did a just under 15 minute mile, I could finish within the 17 hour timeline. And so that was my new plan. And so that's great, except for I was not in good shape and I was really suffering and I, my, my back hurt and I was in a lot of pain. And that's where step number four came in. The mo probably one of the most important steps. Lay it on us. All right finish what you start. I kept telling myself for that whole 26 miles, every time I wanted to quit, finishers are winners, finishers are winners. You got to finish what you started. And finishing in life is so important because here's a stat for you. University of Scranton did a study, found that 92% of the people who set a goal did not achieve the goal. They quit. They didn't finish it. 92%. Wow. So if you could just finish what you start, you're in the top 10%. Right there. Just by finishing. And, and again, to your point, it's not even about what rank you finish, whatever it is. Um, a good friend, Keith Cunningham, always says, you know, get in line and stay in line is one of the best business strategies. Yeah. Sometimes it's not about how fast you get up there. It's about the fact that you don't leave, right? You don't get out of line and leave and do something different. Just staying can often be enough. I love that. So you've taken this, obviously, Rich, and you, you know, we've had many conversations about this and I always love your, your winning attitude. Um, and yet your super humble attitude. Um, you've applied that into the sales arena with amazing force and incredible results with so many of these clients you've worked with and, uh, coaching the entrepreneurs, the small business owners, just like the big guys, uh, and showing them how to continue and win at sales by finishing. Talk to us a bit about, um, you know, if, if you were speaking to my entire sales group, right? What's, you know, outside of your four-step formula, what's something that you always want, especially young, hungry salespeople, entrepreneurs to, to believe, to hear, to learn? What's kind of one of your go-tos that's a real good, valuable gem? I, I'm going to take the experience that I just shared with you. I take that experience and I move it into the business and the sales arena. And I move it specifically into the sales arena. And I actually have developed a five-step process. How to win in sales 100% of the time. Get ready for this, Matt. 100% of the time, even when the prospect says no. Yay. Yeah. I, this is you. more complicated. This is a five-step process. Yeah, it's, more, <laughs> it's one more step. It actually is a very complicated process because there are, it's, it's simple to understand, but there are a lot of steps and a lot of moving parts. But it, it is a way that you can always get a win in in business, even when the prospect says no. And so I I take people through this this process from step one to step five. Uh, step one meaning, you know, you already know you didn't get the 
the sale. And what are you going to do? Well, what do most people do? Most people just kind of walk away, tuck their tail between their legs and, and walk away. And I say, you've already done all this work and you know who that person is. Now, what are you going to leverage out of it? What are you going to do to develop the relationship? And what are you going to do to leverage the work that you did to uh, just get to know that person and let them know who you are? And so the series of steps that I take people through actually will will warrant you know either great marketing or great referrals or uh, just great things that help you to build your business. And at the end of the day, if you get nothing other than a friend, super, because we can all use more friends, right? <laughs> that sounds fun. How to win, how to, how to win friends and uh, 100% of the time, even if they don't want to be friends with you. I love that. Rich Green, everyone. <laughs> hey, uh, and, and you have, you put together a resource for that too. I want to make sure we plug that because it's really, really good. Um, and guys, we're talking about, so I'm clear, how to win at sales 100% of the time, even when the prospect says no, this isn't about winning the sale, convincing someone, manipulating someone, right? Even when they don't want to, this is about how to win at the process and how to win at the relationship, right? Absolutely. And oh, by the way, sales, just for, for those of you out there who think that sales about, is about getting convinced or cajoled or, or, or tricked, people that do that, they're posers. They're not real professional salespeople. The person who wants to buy will always buy when they're ready to buy. And we just are responsible people that supply the information. And they, I agree. Uh, the buyer makes up their own mind. I agree 100% of the time, Rich. Really good. So where can we grab that? You have, you have that whole 100% uh, of the time winning formula set up and ready to go. That's like a, a download, a, a PDF or something? Yeah, well, it's it's it, it'll actually uh, there are videos, there are PDFs. Oh. Uh, we'll walk you. I will walk you through the entire five step process, and you can put it into play with absolutely every sales uh, opportunity that you have as you get to the end of it, so that you can make sure that you win no matter what the answer is. I put together a special package just for your listeners, Matt. What? Um, they can they can access it at at the one hundred. 100, the number 100, the 100% winner.com forward slash driven. Love that. The 100% spell out percent winner. 100, the 100% winner.com slash driven. And so this is actually a whole, I didn't realize that, Rich. I love this. This is a whole mini course you have. It so is. It, it's, it's, it's videos teaching the five steps, it's PDFs and handouts. And really, you're walking through each one of those. And taking any salesperson from where they are to much, much more extraordinary results. I think that's awesome. And it's free. So, I mean, go grab it. The 100percentwinner.com slash driven. Rich, you're awesome, man. I so appreciate you. Always, always do. And then, as we said, um, Rich's story and so much more is in the book. We just finished going through uh, your second round of editing. And I'll tell you, like, I'm every time I, I show it to my wife, she was reading it going, you know, I like all the stories, but I like that the I like the um, tri uh, the triathlete guy the best. <laughs> That's what she said. I like the triathlete guy the best. I really like like she just loved your story and it's, it's super inspiring. You can get it again. It's in the Driven to Courage book, How to Deal with the Unexpected and Come Out Stronger, and that is available right now. It's on presale. If you head over there immediately to driventocourage.com slash presale. You'll get the pre-sale bundle that comes with the book and the audio book free and the ebook free and two tickets to our live event success revolution for free that normally are $1,000 each. It's free. 
and you get a whole co-author bundle, amazing gift bundle with everyone who contributed a story. They all also gave a gift to the pre-order folks. So head over to driventocourage.com slash presale and you can get my stories in there, Rich's stories in there, four-time Olympian Ruben Gonzalez's stories in there, and many, many other inspiring people that you've probably heard on this show already. Rich, thank you for being a part of this. I sure appreciate you. Thank you for coming on the show. And goodness sakes, thank you for inspiring me. If you want to leave me with one inspirational thought idea rich get me off the couch tonight <laughs> so, well get off the first of all just get off the couch you just do it but the I'm i think off. the most I'm standing up right there now you go i standing think the up most right now <laughs> let's do it and, and that's probably more exercise than a lot of people get during the day so so good for you but um <laughs> here, here's here's what i'm going to leave you with it, it is the ending that makes the beginning worthwhile finish what you start well, well said. That is the meme for the show. Thank you, Rich Green. I appreciate you. Thank you, Matt. Good time. All right, guys, that's the show for this week. Thanks again to my guest, Rich Green. Uh, incredible, rich, uh, seven-time Ironman, uh, inspirational person, and about to have his 60th birthday. So I don't know if we mentioned his age, but how about that? About to have his 60th birthday as we record this and just crushing it out there in the business world and in the athlete world. And speaking of crushing it, make sure that you grab, of course, Rich's gift and make sure you grab pre uh, pre-sale copy of our book. It's only 20 bucks. Shipping is included for the pre-sale only. Afterwards, you got to pay for it, but shipping is included for the pre-sale, plus all the goodies like the ebook and the audiobook and everything else, driven to courage.com slash pre-sale. Get out there this weekend, grab the book, and of course, stay driven. And I'll see you next week with another driven entrepreneur. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.